Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. Welcome into the 11 o'clock hour on the Nick Wilson Show. If you missed any of the first hour of the show, WFNZ.com for the full hours, bits, interviews, and whatnot. And also, if you missed any of uh, this week's show so far, Cole Kubelik yesterday to get into college football realignment. We got more on realignment and all that stuff. We were just talking about realignment in sports in general. Because I had I'd thrown out... A couple scenarios I'd like to see in Major League Baseball and in the NFL. I would like to see Carolina and Jacksonville in the same division. I just feel like that's a rivalry that makes a lot of sense given the two towns, given the two fan bases, and uh, that's pretty much it. I, I, I had like an anda, and then I couldn't remember what it was. However, to go ahead and talk about realignment in the NFL, to go ahead and talk about the Baker Mayfield sweepstakes, which... Seem like they're never going to end. And more. Uh, our next guest is one of the hosts of the Ringer NFL Show podcast. They've got top 10 head coach rankings coming out later today. Steven Ruiz on the guest line. What's up, buddy? Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back. Uh, I'm always uh, shocked when someone invites me back on for a second or third time. I'm always shocked when they let me just show up to work and the key card works, so I can empathize with that pretty greatly. <laughs> I'm, so we were just talking. I had stolen a GIF, or stolen a meme, excuse me, uh, on social media of a guy's uh, idea for geographical realignment in the NFL. And it would put the Panthers in... Uh, the what the hell is this? It would be in the AFC South, and this would be the teams that they're in with: Jacksonville, Miami, and Tampa Bay. I'll ask you if you could propose realignment and institute realignment in the NFL. What's something you'd like to see done differently? Hmm, that's a good question. I, I'd like to see. I think I'd like to see the, a, the NFC East broken up. I know it's never going to happen because like the TV guys love NFC East, but I'm tired of these Sunday night games between the the Eagles and the Giants or the Giants and the Cowboys or Washington and the Cowboys when they're, they're just terrible teams, just break it up. And we don't have to worry about ruining our Sunday and Monday nights anymore. You know, as a guy who's sick of seeing the Baltimore Ravens, as a, I grew up a Clevelander or grew up in Cleveland, I'm sick of seeing the Baltimore Ravens. Why don't we just put the Ravens in the NFC East and figure out how to move on from there? That works. That works. All right, Stephen, let's go to the latest rumors, reports, innuendos. Uh, now there's a report saying that, that Seattle isn't interested in Baker Mayfield, uh, which was then directly rebutted here. It feels as if we've hit a fever pitch of just noise when it comes to Baker and Jimmy. I'll ask you, 2022, who's your best fit for Baker Mayfield? I would say Seattle, and I understand why Seattle might not be interested just because of the quarterback they just you know, parted ways with was another quarterback who kind of is too anxious to go outside of the structure of the offense and create on his own. I think that's been Baker's main issue over the first four years of his career. Uh, but that type of offense that they're going to run, like the play-action heavy, under center, a lot of runs on early downs, I think that suits him best. That's when we've seen him have his most success in Cleveland is when they were getting the running game going and calling a lot of play-action passes. They weren't able to do it last year. We saw him fall off. 
So I would say Seattle for him. I about, think the same goes for Jimmy G. I think Jimmy G needs that structural support. He's not a quarterback that's going to go get his own bucket, so to speak. Uh, he needs an offense that's going to provide him with open receivers. And I, I will say this, both of them are really talented throwers. I think they both have talented arms. It's just the more mental aspects of the position. And as long as you put them in kind of like a paint-by-numbers type of offense, like a Kyle Shanahan type of offense, I think they'll look better than they actually are. Steven, this is more of a predictive-based thing, which I so I'm not asking you to put your legacy on the line as a media member. I just just what you think and forecasting uh, potentially happen here. Do you think that both Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo are you are you leaning for or against them both starting Week One for NFL franchises? No, I think it's like a musical chair situation where one of them is going to get that last chair and the other one's going to be left standing and. That, yeah, that's how I see it happening. And I would bet personally on Jimmy G just because I think he is he, he's more adaptable going into a new locker room. Like the, the one thing you hear about him from 49ers players is that they love him. Like they, they would go to bat for him. You don't really hear that with Baker. It's kind of the opposite. You saw players standing up for ex-teammates that kind of butted heads with Baker. So I would say Jimmy G has the best chance of those two. All right, so let's look to that musical chairs. It, let's look at Carolina here. If if Carolina waits until the first week of camp to trade for either Baker or Jimmy, do you think that they would be putting either guy into a position to succeed in 2022? No, I, I don't. I really don't. I, I think that's the case for any quarterback, really, but especially those two. And especially Jimmy Garoppolo, because he he has really been in the same offense for the last, what is, what is it, like five years now, whereas Baker is kind of used to jumping from offensive coordinator to offensive coordinator. So he probably has more experience learning a new system. I think Jimmy might take a little more time to acclimate himself to it. I, I do think Jimmy is the type of quarterback, I, I guess I would call him a system quarterback. I don't think he's able to create on his own, whereas Baker does it. He just doesn't do it as well as he he seems to think he does. So I, I think Baker would be better off with less time to kind of, you know, take in the playbook. Steven Ruiz of the Ringer NFL Show podcast here. And again, uh, top 10 head coach rankings for the NFL out uh, today uh, on the Ringer NFL Show podcast. So a lot of us here in Carolina look at this roster and feel like that they are a quarterback away. When I say quarterback away, I mean a respectable quarterback away. Somebody that doesn't uh, suck air like Sam Darnold. So I'll ask you, looking at this roster, what does a respectable quarterback do? Are the Panthers a quarterback away? Oh, I don't think they're a quarterback away. I think they're a quarterback. I think they're an offensive line. I think they're a coaching staff. I think you, you got, and those are like three of the most important things when you're building a roster, right? You want to have the, the quarterback, the most important position. You want to protect the quarterback with the offensive line. And then you want a coach that's going to get the most out of his talent. And obviously the Panthers don't have the quarterback. We could say they don't have the offensive line yet, although I like how they kind of built it up in the offseason. But last year was terrible. And then Matt Rule, I mean, it's hard to, to be optimistic about anything we've seen over the last two years. and it, It's hard to be optimistic about 2022. Maybe he'll prove us wrong. Maybe with a better quarterback, if they do land Jimmy G or, or Baker Mayfield, maybe he'll be a better coach. But I don't know. I think this team has a long way to go. I don't think it's a bad team necessarily. And in the NFL, any team can make the playoffs. But 
it seems like they're kind of in that purgatory where they're not so bad that they can't like blow it up and start over, but they're not good enough to really challenge for a wild card spot. Even if things break right, it's going to be tough. All right, given that you guys did your top 10 head coaching rankings podcast in the NFL, I, I don't want to spoil it, so I'll simply ask you, what coach do you think is the most overrated in the NFL, and what do you think, or who do you think is the most underrated NFL head coach? Ooh, uh, overrated. I'm going to go just talking to my other co-hosts and, and where they have this guy. I'm going to say the uh, floor in Green Bay. I think I don't want to say he's overrated, but I think it's easier to be uh, a head football coach when you have Aaron Rodgers when you have the MVP. And I would like to see him be the, this successful without the MVP at quarterback. And I know every coach that has been successful has a good quarterback, but we have seen the floor kind of lose games that they should have won. Like thinking back two years ago, they should have beat the Bucks. Probably they had a home game against them in the playoffs. They also lost a home game to Jimmy G last year, who isn't the best quarterback. So I would say that he's kind of underachieved with all the talent he's been given in Green Bay. Although I do think he deserves some credit for cultivating that talent over the first three or four years of his uh, coaching tenure. All right, so if he's the overrated, who's the underrated? That's always tough. I want to say Mike Tomlin, even though I don't think he's necessarily underrated. I, I don't think he's ever in that conversation for the best coach in the league. I think he's always like around that top five spot. But just the way he's he's held that team together in that locker room, after everything we've figured out about Antonio Brown and his issues, and then Ben Roethlisberger isn't always the best teammate. Uh, and their team is always good. They dealt with injuries, too. The Ryan Shazier injury was huge. Uh, Devin Bush got hurt last year. So they, they, they deal with all this adversity every season, but they're always a solid football team. And I think that's all you can really ask of your head coach if he's not picking the players himself. And I, beyond Mike Tomlin, I don't know if there's a coach that I trust to go 9-7 and seven at least every year. Stephen Ruiz of the Ringer NFL Show podcast on the guest line here. And Stephen, we are we're 64 days until the the kickoff of the NFL season. What are you most excited about uh, the return of the NFL for? Uh, I'd say the quarterbacks, the young quarterbacks from last year. We had, what was it, four or five first-round quarterbacks. Only three of them got to play full-time. I, I want to see how those guys take the leap in year two. I think Trevor Lawrence has a chance to be a top-ten quarterback if he gets any type of support from the Jaguars. I think Mac Jones showed that he's capable of leading the team to the playoffs last year. And I really want to see like what Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and, and Trey Lance do. They're talented quarterbacks. They just need to put a couple things together to, to take the leap. And I think two of them have a chance to do it next year. All right, Stephen. We do, uh, later in my show at 1240, we do five questions every day. Five questions either related to sports or related to things going on in the world. I'm going to ask you one right now, and I need the most okay. honest answer you can give me. Are you ready? I'm ready. It is the anniversary of Mount St. Helens exploding uh, out uh, out west. What natural disaster are you most afraid of? <laughs> uh, tornadoes. Tornadoes always got me. Like I saw that that movie Twister as a kid, and that was it. That was enough. I saw the cow floating through the air, and I don't want to ever deal with that. So whenever there's like a tornado warning around me, I I, I take cover. It's, I'll go with tornadoes. It, it's so funny how. Uh, you know, uh, supernatural or natural disaster movies can impact your your fear. Uh, Dante's right. Peak scared the living crap out of me as a kid, 
and I still won't go the go near the Pacific Rim. Uh, now, granted, those volcanoes aren't exploding every other day here, but you just never know, and that's what Dante's Peak taught us. Always be mindful of random cataclysmic vol volcanoes exploding. Here's, here's my take, though. I feel like I can outrun lava. Like, I've seen, I've watched the film of lava, so to speak, and it, it goes pretty slow, so I feel like I can outrun it. I so, can't uh, outrun a uh, tornado. Are you telling me you've watched the tape on lava? <laughs> That's what I just, yeah, I studied the tape. I, watched the, I, I don't know anything about volcanoes, and they would probably destroy me. I just, I just love the idea of, all right, if I run in a straight line, the Pahoe Hoey's going to hit me hard. But if I just serpentine, I can survive. Follow this man yeah. on Twitter, at the Steven Ruiz. Uh, check out his work on the Ringer and the Ringer NFL Show podcast. Steven, thanks for joining us, buddy. And, uh... I'm going to have to watch the tape on lava. I think you might have me thinking a little bit more about this. Yeah, yeah I, I'm questioning the uh, the three-cone drill. Lava's three-cone <laughs> uh, cone drill. It is, it's, Not it's, a lot of agility, but thanks for having me. It, you know what? Here's one thing I'll say. Thank you for the call, bud. Uh, the, the, une, uh, the unexpected change of, of, of direction is what is most scary about tornadoes and lava. Like, all of a sudden, lava's just going to be rolling downhill this way, and then, bam, it just veers off to the right. And nonsensical is lava. Also, have you ever seen a pyroclastic flow? Scary crap. I've watched, a I've watched a lot of tape. Like Stephen, I've watched a lot of tape on natural disasters. That was one of the five questions. We'll get to that more on today's show. I thought it was interesting what he said about most overrated coach, about uh, LaFleur in Green Bay. I don't think he's wrong. And when we get to right and wrong, there's a right and there's a wrong. And then there's the ACC's approach to conference realignment. Sports Radio 92.7 FNC. Sports Radio 92.7 FNC. It is the Nick Wilson Show. Great stuff with Steven Ruiz there. We had a few people, uh, 704 number, it, it, it called out uh, Steven Ruiz who said he's more afraid of tornadoes. He feels like he's watched the tape on lava. He could outrun lava. Um, and 704 number saying, has Steven seen the movie Volcano? If Tommy Lee Jones can't whoop that volcano's ass, you and me don't have a prayer. Uh, and also, J.D. Gore, uh, sending into to Nick Wilson, says, you can outrun most lava, but with a pyroclastic flow, you don't have a hope in hell about running it if you're too close. Please see the Mount Helen, Mount St. Helens tape. It is the anniversary. That's what brought this up. I uh, I need to do something. I don't like doing this. All right. I like to lift up people that I work with. All right. I like to to engage people I work with in a positive manner. And only some of this is me being tongue in cheek. Itty bitty fitty. I'm here to call you out. I didn't even do anything. You exactly. You are today. I have been bringing. Uh, the pyroclastic flow to these airwaves. All right, every segment, I'm in the pocket. Every segment, I've got takes that flow like the 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 uh, fish of Capistrano. I, I butchered that, except for that moment right there. Yeah. I have I have brought it today. 
You basically are the British the day after the Revolutionary War ended. That's what you've been like today. Easy, Tiger, because I'm not uh, I'm not dead and wounded. I'm just saying. And well, I didn't, and I didn't they blow- weren't. They weren't. Oh, by the way, people died on both sides of the war, and also <laughs> they, they survived. I don't know if you know this, but, <laughs> but uh, Great Britain, the UK, they, they they're still alive and well across the pond. So I've got a couple things going on over here. First uh-huh. off, it's National Fried Chicken Day. Uh-huh. And it's oh, also, how does that not pump you up? It's also... Because I can't partake in it. Uh, the family's at the beach with the in-laws, and all I want to do is get me a big bow box and finish off that bee by myself. Let's and do I'm it. I'm not doing it, but I'm still celebrating it in my heart, and that's why I'm bringing the fire today, because it is National Fried Chicken Day, and it's, the, it's Bojangles' birthday. It's, Bo- and the, it's Bojangles' birthday. And so, like, I can taste the Chicken Supremes. Mm -hmm. I can smell my fries. But neither are in front of me. And also, I've got this toothache Uh on the left side of my mouth Uh that I'm pretty sure by 2 o'clock I'm going to be have, like, a numb mouth. And Mm -hmm. I'll be over here like. Okay, so why don't you talk now? So when your mouth goes numb, you will have at least said something on today's show. I got to call you out because all I heard was excuses. All right? Uh, fried chicken day? I'm sorry. Everyone should be celebrating. You should be celebrating. You should be through the roof. I'm getting a low T itty bitty fitty here. I need you to send you to the, the men's clinic. Or I need to send you to, to PhD weight loss. Or just, to get or your, just to Bojangles. To, oh, no. Nope. <laughs> nope. You don't get rewarded with Bojangles with your low T-ness. We're sending you to PhD to get your levels checked. And then, if you're good... All right. If you treat the ladies with respect there, which I know can be tough for you, if you treat the ladies with respect there, then maybe you get uh, Bojangles after. Okay. 704-570-9610. Is Itty Bitty Fitty letting the show down today? Which excuse is actually a good excuse? I would have thought the the lava conversation, what natural disaster are you most afraid of with the five key questions coming up at 1240. I would have thought that would have excited some juice and energy from you. I'm getting nothing. Oh, no, because his answer is my answer. And it was, I, I am terrified of tornadoes. So, like, the lava thing, like. <laughs> what is more survivable? Being within 20 miles of a tornado or being within 20 miles of a volcano. Have you not done, have you, okay, yesterday we got into the idea that you can just say, I watched the tape and that just, there's no rebuttal to that. (laughs) It's definitive. You can say the dumbest thing in the world, right? (laughs) Um, All chickens are secretly dogs. I watched the tape. (laughs) Like that's nonsensical, but if you finish it with either take that for data or or read that again, or uh, what was the one I just said? Or I watched, I the, watched tape. the tape. Then you're golden. You're good to go here. So uh, where were where's I going with this? You were asking me. If, oh, have you watched the tape on super volcanoes? Because I've watched the tape, and that crap is frightening. Yeah, I mean, like I've I, I've seen volcano explosions. I've also seen the movie Twister, and like Stephen Ruiz, the floating cow. I was out. So I think I know. I think I know what would change this. Because I uh, Twister. Now I just watch Twister, and I'm like, this is this, this is just the greatest movie that ever happened. <laughs> I think I think they 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 pulled up too short on Dante's Peak and Volcano. I think there needs to be a super volcano movie. Because 
the entire world. When Super Volcano, when that when that ticking time bomb that is Yellowstone finally loses its ever-loving mind in unwages jihad on the rest of the world, I'm telling you right now, friend, you will you will respect Super Volcano. When there's ash raining from the sky in Charlotte because of a super volcano in the middle of America, you will respect super volcano. I'm going to be like Magic Johnson. I'm not going to be here. I don't know where you, I'm going to be. Well, because, you're not going to Europe. Yeah. They're not letting me in after what you said about the Brits yesterday. <laughs> Jessica Charma will literally go to every country <laughs> to appeal a itty-bitty fitty ban for the, the words that you spoke about her home country yesterday. She was very upset with my uh, my pooping on the Brits in the spirit of the 4th of July. Right, I don't like that phrasing very much. Um, oh, yeah, it's Stanford P. If, yellow, if the Yellowstone caldera erupts, we're all bleeped, so bleep your tornado. Oh, no, he said we're all dead, so bleep your tornado. I, I'll take my chances with an F5 tornado. Before I, before I mess with like even kind of a middling, vo uh, mid middling volcano. You just never know. Ooh, Panther's bow with a perfect analogy. Volcano is like the Michael Myers of killers. So slow, how does anyone die? Because you underestimate it. You think, I have time to stop off and, and get some cheer wine. And then I'm going to go get a little bit of fried chicken. And I'm going to stop and see my neighbor Steve. And before you know it, both you and Steve are brutally murdered by that volcano that is Michael Myers in this analogy. So, like, here's my thing. Like, when, when, you, when you go to judgment. Uh-huh. And you have either died from being flung in a volcano uh -huh. or... Wait, being, wait, you mean somebody threw you into a volcano? I, I'm, I'm in a tornado. Okay. So, like, you know, you, you get, you know, you're swirling around a tornado, you hit a cow and you die. Mm -hmm. Or you get burned alive by lava. Now, uh -huh. if you're going to hell, that's going to be very ironic. Yeah. But if you're going to heaven, be like... like uh, you know what? The lava already got you. You're good. Just take a seat over there. We'll get to you eventually. Don't but, worry like, about if you're it. going to heaven, like, what's a better war story to say, you know, how you died? Tornado or like I got burned alive but I'm still here. Well, it kind of depends on like if if you if you if you got polished off by an F1 tornado, that's just that's an IQ test basically. <laughs> like don't live in a trailer, um don't drive into it like don't do any of the things they ironically did in the movie Twister and you'll be fine. Find a deeper ditch. Yes, find a deeper <laughs> ditch. Um don't stare directly into the tornado's eyes. Now, <laughs> volcano, if you're dying by volcano, one or two reasons. One, you were stubborn and didn't listen. Two, you were doing some hero bleep. Right? There's no there's no need for hero bleep in a tornado. Hide. Right. Everybody should if everybody just hides, you're gonna be most most likely you're gonna be okay. So if volcano, I'm, need for hero bleep. If I'm fighting my Jedi training master on a on an island full of volcanic uh ashes. It depends. Do you hate sand? Because it's coarse. By the way, we just, we had a totally legitimate thing, and then you had to go Star Wars nerdery, and like half of our audience is just... Well, like, like someone had to take you there, because we're both Star Wars nerds, and like, because now I'm just thinking about like, because like, it, if I had to choose which rather way I'd die of a... Now, the volcano could be a slow death, depending on how long it takes to, to literally burn you alive. Like the tornado, you could die very quickly. I No, I think with a volcano, if you get hit with lava... It's over. You're going to black out the second that touches your skin because your skin's going to start to melt and your brain's going to shut down, and then you're, then you're just done. Let's put it to test. 
All right. So I'm gonna, <laughs> you and Flounder. Why, why, why do you get Flounder? Well, because I got a family. You guys are single. You know, Flounder should probably go to the volcano because he's a virgin. So, well, no. I mean, historically, that's who we've sacrificed as a people to the volcano is the virgins. Like, everybody knows the, the you know, the people with a little bit looser morals, they get tornadoes. That's how it works. I'm just living up to the movie, the movie way of this. Also, DJ Kahoot saying, I studied the Deep Impact tape. Uh, which one? Because there, there's the, the movie about asteroids, and then there's the movie about things we can't talk about. Listen, I'll assume it's the asteroid Deep Impact. Uh, and said, I feel confident I know how to beat a medium-sized asteroid. I wouldn't want to die in an asteroid strike. And here's the reason. You're all getting to the pearly gates at the same time. Or you're all getting to hell's gates at the same time. There's nothing special about that. I think you just kind of, it's like uh, it's like going to, uh, it's going to like Woodstock when they just tore down the fences. Everybody's getting in at one time. It's There's no memory there, right? You, you do some hero crap in a volcano. Oh, oh, right to the front of the line, Mr. Wilson. Did you outrun, did you save uh, a bunch of puppies, kittens, and small children from a pyroclastic flow only to go back in and then be swallowed up? When you were saving somebody stuffed animal, you go right to the front of the line, Mr. Wilson. You got killed by an F uh, an F one tornado. Uh, you can wait your turn. All right. Oh, you got killed by an asteroid. Well, there's three million of you. We're gonna need you in a single file line. We'll get through this at some point in the next millennia. Sounds painful. The show got really dark. Well, no. You okay? I was just on the up and up here. I was trying to get you engaged in the show, trying to get you to have some fun. And then you brought in the, the Star Wars thing with Anakin Skywalker. You got into the Pearly Gates thing. I simply went down those rabbit holes. Oh, no, this is definitely all my fault. Like, I, I just I did not envision coming back from commercial break. We were going to be talking about which are more. Which, but I mean, like, look. Because I'm the type of guy that my ego needs to be fed 24-7. I'll admit that. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to die going out in the blades of glory. That way, because, like, I've done some sinning. Uh -huh. And that way, like, when I get judged, God's like, nah, you you were too cool down there for me to keep you down there. You're going to stay up here. All right. So, tornado ain't it. Because, again, most tornadoes are just... I just said I'd rather I'd rather burn alive by lava than die in a tornado. Okay. No, that's why I, I was trying to sell you on it. But if you're, if you're getting in on this, and if you're wondering what happened, one of the five questions today, which we'll hit up again at 1240, is what natural disaster are you most afraid of? And Stephen Ruiz said tornadoes. And he based it off the movie Twister. I said volcanoes because, uh, ironically, the movie Dante's Peak came out around the same time. There was like a whole two years where we were just knee deep in the uh, in the the world disaster thing, and that's all movies were. It's a tornado. It's a volcano. It's an asteroid. Uh, yeah, there was just a whole year where there's a generation of kids incredibly, incredibly terrified of things that probably will never take their lives. Yeah, like what was it, 2012? Was the movie about the world ending? Well, that was like 15 years after what I'm talking about. But yes, that did not help. My wife my, my wife is so scarred by Twister, Volcano, Dante's Peak, Deep Impact, Armageddon. She's so, like, she's, it's, it distresses her so much because of that two years of movies, she would not watch 2012 with me. It is She is psychologically ruined 
from disaster movies. And I'm like, some people live in the end. She's like, yeah, but most people die. I'm like, you're being negative. The glass is one-tenth full. Why can't we look at it like that? More on that. Uh, what was Itty Bitty's worst excuse for being a little checked out today? Was it that it was National Fried Chicken Day? Was it that his toothy hurts? Was it that it's Bojangles' birthday? Uh, a celebration of Charlotte. Next on Sports Radio 92.7 FNZ. Sports Radio 92.7 FNC. Welcome back to the Nick Wilson Show. There's a lot of reaction to the natural disasters conversation, including my submission that if we're throwing somebody in the volcano, it should probably be Flounder due to his lack of uh, experience in certain situations, amorous situations. I don't want to, I said it so cavalierly. It was so, so, so mean the way I said it in the last segment. I don't want to repeat it because I kind of felt bad the second I said it. I feel like you offer myself and flounder up for sacrifices at, at the Wilson household on a nightly basis. Like, like when, if, if the, if your household was at apparel, if this station was at apparel mm -hmm. and then we got to sacrifice one of them or somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 itty bitty fitty mm -hmm. or flounder. It's pro so it probably is flounder in the case we survive because I don't have to break in a new board up. And but but flounders, you, you, yes, I'm not. Max got a family. T Bone's got Mabel. Uh, Bailey's got a young family, a baby on the way. I'm not sacrificing them. Smoke's lost a bunch of weights. Really doing something with his life. You guys are North Carolina fans. Like what? Like, like that's what you got going right yeah. now. I mean, I, I'm the oldest brother of four. Uh, so that means your your parents have three more kids. That's how they feel. Yeah, they, <laughs> they got they would still have seventy five percent of their children. Is what I'm saying. Uh, so we'll get more onto that. I do feel a little bit bad for the way that I said the flounder line earlier. It just came out flounder. I'm sorry, buddy. Uh, some interesting news to pass along in uh, from the NBA. Brian Winhorst who's having maybe the best week of anybody in the NBA, uh, saying and reporting that there's a good chance Miles Turner is traded by the Pacers this offseason. Uh, when we had Dan Favalli on of the Bleach Report yesterday, you can find that one on WFNC.com, by the way. He had said that once the Kevin Durant trade is settled, if Miles Turner isn't dealt in that, that expect Miles Turner to potentially be on the move. And there's been long there's been rumors for a while about a Miles Turner for uh DeAndre Ayton type swap in the ether. I said earlier, with Kai Jones, if Kai Jones is going to play more of the four this year, uh and if that's really where they see him, if they see him being able to shot create and be more than just a rim running big, which is what we thought he would be last year when the Hornets drafted him. If he's more than that, then he can fill that PJ role off the bench. I'm cool with trading PJ Washington and uh, the Denver pick for for Miles Turner, and and because I, I think Miles Turner, Mark Williams, and Mason Plumley that would be the deepest center position you've ever had in Charlotte since the days of Alonzo Mourning. Yeah, because remember, going into the draft, the rumor was Gordon Hayward, but with with Miles Bridges' future in doubt, he's off the books, right? In in a, in a potential. Any trade right now this offseason if, if you're trading for a big man? Are you talking Miles? No, I'm talking oh, Gordon, no, Gordon oh, Hayward. Yeah, you can't. 
Now, with with my and it's I I still think Miles is going to be here. Um, I think this situation is going to take a while to work out, but I think in the end, I don't think anybody else is signing Miles. So I think the the heat is off the Hornets on that front. And more importantly, you can't trade Gordon in the event that Miles either misses all of next year or you have to walk away from him and the NBA has to walk away from him. Right. So I think that's a great point. You you really got me intrigued with, with Kai Jones at the four. Because mm-hmm. I think... Natural, I think we all thought when he got drafted, he was going to be a five guy mm-hmm. in an uber small lineup. But, you know, if if they could figure out a way to work it where he's a good high-low guy where, he, you know, his passing to the to the, the five-man down low works really good, mm-hmm. he would have to still develop a three-point shot at 35% or better to value him as an offensive player, mm-hmm. but defensively. Well, and if, if you're talking about uh... – uh, 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 I almost said back door. front court with Miles and Kai Jones or Mark Williams and Kai Jones. One, Miles Turner and, and Kai Jones together, if both of them are shooting around league average, you said about 35%, which is a little bit low league, below league average, but still. You got two, you know, six, ten, seven footers who have, you know, seven and a half foot wingspans that are shooting 35% from three or better. Offensively, what that's going to do to to Lamelo and un, unlocking Lamelo in the spacing on the floor would be friggin' ridiculous. Yeah, because I I think that's something you brought up with Cleveland's lineup with what three seven footers and and not every one of those guys can shoot. Markinen and Mobley can shoot. Kevin Love is his numbers look good, but he's he's a hot and cold shooter. But like Jared Allen can't do that. You you get Miles, you get two bigs. And again, I don't think Kai's the starter in this scenario. Kai's probably, but for 24, 27, 30 minutes a night off the bench, that kind of three shoot, three point shooting together, plus LaMelo, plus a great catch and shoot guy like Terry. Oh, and by the way, Gordon Hayward's probably your best three point shooter. That lineup for 20 minutes a night, 15 minutes a night is lethal and will impact the offense more so than James Borrego's offense versus Steve Clifford's offense or anything like that. It's just interesting how length is coming back into the game in a different way. Like the the Thunder's projected starting lineup for next season, the smallest guy on the court's going to be six six. Mm-hmm. You've got what Cleveland's doing. You have a Kai Jones at the four, and then you got whether it's Mark Williams over at the five. Now you've got a small backcourt, but a long front court, and it can mask some of those deficiencies on, on on both ends. So with Wendy reporting that Miles Turner, it's there's a good chance Miles Turner's going to be moved. That to me is the only real outside of a, a a star level or better player coming available and you trading for him, a guy that fits dovetails perfectly with the roster that you have. Outside of that, Miles Turner. Getting him without giving up Kai, Book Knight, Mark Williams, really anybody but PJ. And and your own first round pick. And and, and and keeping that long term flexibility with the first round pick would be about as good of an off season as you possibly could have had if you're Charlotte. It would definitely, I guess, salvage what's been a train wreck since they fired James Borrego. Mm-hmm. Um, because you would finally have a solidified that center position and you know, as much as we talked about it, it was a big factor under Borrego. It was the same thing under Steve Clifford's first time here. You had Big Al for two years, and you had no center. Mm-hmm. And he still was able to make this team competitive. If they solidify those areas, even without Miles on the court, you see, this team should still be a top-six team in the East, no doubt, in ne- next season. 704 number saying, Kai is not ready. Keep dreaming. I don't know how anybody knows that. 
I mean, I, I think there's a chance that you're right, but I think this offseason is incredibly huge for Kai Jones. And when we say not ready, I, I this isn't a binary thing, right? Like, some of this is, is his body ready to be a consistent contributor in the NBA? I'm not saying Kai's ready to start and play 40 minutes a night, but there's a sliding scale here. I, I think it is... A year into his NBA career, a year after being in an NBA weight program, a year after playing predominantly in the G League and dominating, I think it's more than fair to assume that Kai Jones should be ready to step into at least a 15 to 18 minute a night role. Same thing with Book Knight. I don't know if Book Knight's going to do the things off the court that are going to get him in the good graces of Steve Clifford. I'm a little shook. I, th I think the guy that's probably hurt the most in the hiring of Steve Clifford is, is James Booknight because I think we saw with Malik Monk. Steve Clifford does not suffer the youth. He does not suffer foolish youth. And that is what James Booknight appeared to be, fair or not fair, in his first year here. But both Book and Kai Jones, given where they were drafted and having a year in and having a year in NBA developmental, one of the best developmental situations in the NBA. Miami's probably the best. Denver's right up there. There's a couple other teams, but Charlotte has consistently been one of the 10 best organizations in developing their own talent in the NBA. A year in, both Kai and Book Knight should be able to give you something off the bench. And when I say something, I'm not talking about being an NBA body. I'm talking about being able to give you, with Kai, it is length and a little bit of skill. With Book Knight, it is that maybe a Lou Williams... A, a reduced Lou uh, Williams vibe, meaning where he can just go out and give you 15 minutes and you know what to expect offensively from him. That's base level expectations. This idea of, well, we'll talk in two years about Kai Jones, that's not a reality on any team, let alone a team that is as deep as the, the Charlotte Hornets are. Now is time for Kai to take a step. Not every step, not become a starter overnight. But at least a step. So the latest here, Miles Turner could be available. Or good chance that he's moved, according to Brian Winhorst. Do you still think that that move makes sense for the Charlotte Hornets after drafting uh, Mark Williams uh, late, uh, late last month to uh, long-term be the starting center here in Charlotte? When we come back, the countdown has begun on Sports Radio 92.7 FNC.